Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Our sponsor today is Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino. You guys know I love them. Guess what Claudine's is doing? They're doing Hanukkah dinners. 24-hour cooked brisket with mushroom and onion gravy, or horseradish-crusted salmon fillets, or maybe a salmon lox platter for Hanukkah? Yummy! You can also do a dessert gift box. You can deliver or ship to share at Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop. They also are doing sugar cookie favors for your little parties and Zooms. You can have those delivered too. Make it easy on yourself. Text 33733 and type the word Claudine for easy ordering. Guys, I mean, if you're not gonna order for that, you can just have maybe their baked apple French toast or their organic turkey and brie sandwich. I mean, it's endless. We love Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino. Welcome back, warrior women. Oh my gosh, the election nightmare long-termer I think is over. I think they have now counted the votes and I think it's safe to say that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to be heading to the White House. It has been a dicey couple of weeks, but guess what? We are here. We are here and we just want 2020 to go bye-bye, don't we? I want it to go bye-bye, but you know what? Let's enjoy the rest of 2020 together by having some great guests. Today, I am talking to one of my new friends, and you're going to love her. You're going to love what she says about parenting, about being a single mom. I mean, she has lived it all, but she has lived to tell the story. But first... Have you left us a positive review? Don't forget, don't you want to win my leopard slippers? I know you do, so leave us a review. Okay, on to our sponsor. Right now we are over so many things, but one thing I am way over is ironing. I hate it, but guess what? I never have to do it again. Tom and Sherry's Iron in a Bottle is a miraculous way to remove wrinkles from all your clothes. It's a plant-based spray that smells like fresh linen, and when you spray it on your clothes, your wrinkles disappear. Now you can look great on your Zoom calls, save time, and look your best with Tom and Sherry's Iron in a Bottle. Go to TomAndSherry'sProducts.com to order. Use code WARRIORWOMEN10 for your discount. Today, I'm talking to Askia Taylor. Askia is an entrepreneur and founder of The Future Division One which helps parents and student athletes navigate the world of Division One sports. She's also a connector, a producer, a podcaster, and a warrior mom. So welcome, Askia. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you and your warrior community. I fully consider myself part of it already. Oh, well, uh, you are. Indeed. Line me up. Throw, put, put a plate on my chest. I'm ready. <laughs> you are the happiest part of my day, Asya. I can't even wait to talk to you. Okay. You know, I like to go to the beginning because I like to really know you. What was your dream for yourself as a young girl? What did you want to be? I wanted to be Barbie, but black. <laughs> yes. Well, right. yes. Barbie, but black. Yes. Black Barbie. 
in the 80s, Barbie was the it girl. She had it all. She had the man, the car, the dog, the ultimate dream house. She owned businesses. She was every bit of a fabulous woman, right? And she wanted to be that, you know? So that is absolutely still to this day. I'm kind of like low key, always thinking about Barbie. What I do low key in here is low key, like, "Mm, what would Barbie do? She'd be thinner than me, but that's about it. I know, but she had boobs, though. I, I have not spent the money yet. It's on my <laughs> list. <laughs> on my list. Uh, you know what, though? That's funny that you bring that up because Barbie was, like, uh, we've talked about this a little bit. Barbie was, like, my dream, too. She had an apartment, like, with a penthouse apartment. I had the one with the elevator. And she had a camping thing with, I had a pool. She had a car. I thought she was literally, like, the coolest woman that you could possibly be. So I totally relate that you yeah. thought Barbie was your dream. That's amazing. Did you want to be Barbie when you grew up? Was that like what you wanted to be? You know, Barbie owned businesses, right? So I had her salon. I wanted to own a salon. Ooh, I, I had I have the salon. I want the salon. The wow. salon was really hard to get. I got the salon. And you know what's so funny? I remember thinking that it came with another Barbie doll and it didn't. Like the commercial showed. It had a whole setup with somebody in the chair. And I planned that and had that in my head. And we got home and I was like, I, I need another doll. <laughs> You're like, I need a customer. <laughs> I have a customer for my salon. She had an ice cream parlor. Remember the cute, I was like, I want to own an ice cream parlor and own a salon and get in my Corvette with my cute person, my dog and my fabulous diamond ring. Yeah. Well, you with wanted to be man. an entrepreneur. You wanted to be successful. Absolutely. Entrepreneur. Successful and beautiful. That was so awesome. important to me. And blonde, baby. It's so funny. Blonde was definitely not something I thought about then because I couldn't see it. I hadn't seen a black woman that with blonde hair, right? By the way, everybody, Askia has the most beautiful blonde braids. That's why I'm saying. Being blonde was not important when I was little because I was still also really happy to look just like my mom. Yes. But, but now. now. But now. But now it's, it's all about it's all about boobs and blonde, red lips. That's it. <laughs> what was your career path before starting Division One? What did you What did you learn kind of along the way? I worked in marketing and advertising. I worked with small to medium sized brands, and then also a lot of Fortune five hundred brands. I learned a lot. I think the parallel to my life, which is super interesting, is that I learned to be strategic. You know, strategic in the way I move, in the way I spend people's money. So I'm I'm a pretty decent shopper, right? When I when I buy media and in my life, and I'm a really good kind of strategic planner and connector of audiences to brands. Ooh, I kind of love that. You know, it, it's true. You have to have strategy. I feel like sometimes even when women are like dealing with their businesses, they're all over the place and they don't know where to go and they're putting their money everywhere. And you really have to have a business plan. You got to have strategy. You cannot be going rogue with, with your business, especially in these times. Oh my God. If you go rogue, you're going to overspend. Yeah. You're going to, it's going to, that's how you implode your business. Hello. Tell me about becoming a single warrior mom, a warrior, single mom. Um, I know you didn't really plan on being one, but here you are. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't plan on being a single mom, not, not in 1 million years. Right. But let me say this. There's a lot of women who choose that. Yes. Consciously go, you know what? I want a baby. I want to raise, I want to be a mom. And they make that, you know, go about the path of making that happen for themselves. I was not one of those women. Right. I went into, you know, love and life thinking that, Man, woman, child, you have a family, you stay Well, your parents have been married forever. Hello? 
my parents were married. They met when they were 16. They got married at 20 and they were married until my father died. So they were together for over 52 years. Yeah. So that was probably your idea, right? Of what I mean, it is. There was no other idea. And and the way I became a single mother, I had not ever seen or even heard of. So I was completely unprepared for it. Completely unprepared for the idea that I would be whatever the stigma of what single parent was, you know. Right. And so how did that like change you? So becoming a single mom, I know you went through like quite a bit. How did that kind of change you once you did get, I know you were first, you were in a relationship. It was, you had a a relationship, but it was not a healthy relationship. How did you kind of warrior your way through that to become a single mom? Cause that's really. Yeah. You know, I think what, what happened for me was my life was pretty okay and everything was great. And then it went from that to the hunger games. Totally. Totally. Right. I mean, the weather changed inside of my house yeah. immediately, you know, and I had to find a way to just not uh, lay and die without, for, for lack of a better term, right? Because in my mind, I had told myself he's, he's gone. He's going to come back for a long time. I kept saying he's going to come back and then he didn't. And to this day, he has not ever returned to our lives. Right. And so being left alone with two small children, one was four months old and 11 year old and a fucking dog. Right. And no money. It made me really start to think about. Well, no money because he took your money. Because he took every penny. Not because we were broke. Okay. We were not broke. We worked hard. We had good money. And then I just thought, I'm going to rest and I'm going to be a white woman. And I'm going to just, you know, lay back and just hang out and let the man do everything. And I got, uh, I'm not white. (laughs) <laughs> like, it's a rude it, awakening, a rude awakening. It was a, it was a terrible awakening. And so what helped me get my footing is I accepted where we were. I cried myself through that and I kept my feet moving. I did not stop. I thought in my mind, if I stop, I was going to die. Honestly, I thought I had to, no matter what, get up and keep going not for me, forget me. I'd completely forgotten about myself. When I tell you it was the ugliest version of me, it was. But my son was thriving and happy. And, and I had a baby. Old? He was my son was 11. He was 11, yeah. He was focused. We had already been in the midst of this plan. We were planning for high school already in sixth grade. Me, him, and his father before we had our second child. And so we were on this trajectory of getting him prepared to play high school football or run track in high school because we saw that as the most viable path for him to go to college. And I was so steadfast in um, just making sure my baby got what he needed to get there, right? That I stopped thinking about this person. I strapped my baby to my chest in a Moby, right? And I made sure that he did every single thing that he needed to do so that we could stay on that plan to keep him happy. Despite my happiness, despite any of the things that we take for granted, right? You know, and what I learned is having a person who is equally invested in your child's success with you is a privilege. Having a person who walks alongside you and help you navigate a world that your son or daughter is in that you don't understand is a luxury, right? So I had to learn to manage conversations and spaces that I intentionally left myself out of because I thought that they were just 
for a minute. Right. You thought your your husband, boyfriend, you thought he had it. So here you are. Now he leaves you. And now you got to figure out this whole sports world for your child so that you can make sure that all the things you had already put in place didn't just magically disappear like your man. Hello. Absolutely right. You know, it it was not, it was, I have had brighter days. You know, it's like the, the, when you're in that, you almost are numb. You can't feel everything. You can see things happening around you. You can, you know, you're in a a shitty kind of spot, but you can't get out of it. It's, it's weird. It's, it's the twilight zone. You know, you, you're, I'm thinking this man's going to come back any day. We're going to have two arguments and then we're going to get back on our path. Right. And so in my mind, I kept kept torturing myself. Like, how could he do this? How could he do this? How could he do that? How could he do this to us? And it wasn't until I shifted that to, okay, what can I do to feel better today? Cause I was just tired of crying. I was just tired of waiting for us to get back to normal. And it's much like our lives now in COVID, right? Where we're just like, we're anxious and we're waiting to get back to normal. And I'm like, no, focus on the new normal, establish your new normal. So we can get back to life, forget old life. That's over. You you have to pick up and you have, you have to keep going and you have to say, this is my new life. And whether I like it or not, this is what it is. You had told me a story and I want you to tell everybody because it's actually kind of insane, but wonderful and heartwarming as hell, like a Hallmark (laughs) movie that I want someone to make so I can watch it. Tell me the story. Yeah. Tell me the story of the man that came into your life and offered you respite offered you calm and space during the the worst possible time of your life yes so there is a man who i did not know i knew him in the periphery of our life i didn't i think i maybe spoke to him twice maybe one to two sentences how are you how's your weekend right he was one of my son's youth football coaches I don't know how the universe did it. I do not know. I believe in God. I know he has a plan. He has to be the best planner in the world because at the exact moment when I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do to maintain some semblance of the life we had, he offered my son and my baby and I room in his home right? He doesn't know me. It's unbelievable. He he knows my son from football. He loved my son. My son loved him. But he said, I have a room in my house if you want it. First of all, men don't just offer women things without wanting. Well, that's the other thing, right? I'm sure you were like, hello, first of all, you're a coach. If you touch my son, I'll kill you. Oh, it was the days of Sandusky. Yes. Sandusky was on the news every day. So I was like, oh, I know you're not trying to get my baby. You know, I was <laughs> not today, all, Dayton. Not today. I was all sorts of, oh, what is this? You know, just what is what are you trying to do here? You know, I'm not sleeping with you. Like, don't try it. All sorts of just blocking of terrified of all the things I had seen. I had not seen a time where a person, a stranger, a white man, I must say. Okay, let me let me tell you guys. Uh, I, w- I won't say his name because he might he might come out and, and admit who he is. But I don't, I don't want to do that without his permission. But he literally saved our life. A white man with two four year old twin boys 
He was oh, a single yeah. dad, right? He was a single dad. Single dad. Yeah. So oh. he kind of knew what it was like. He's probably yeah. looking at you going, oh God, if I'm struggling, then I don't know what you're doing. It's so interesting. He was in the, had just had a tumultuous, crazy divorce. And so he was newly single with these small little, just my babies, two little twin boys. And I had my, who had turned 10, my, my 12 year old, he turned 12 and my little four month old baby. And he said, come and I'll give you space. And in that space, it allowed me to cocoon us and protect us and maintain the life that we had, maintain the schedule that he had, keep my son in the school that he was in and not completely just upend the life that he knew. You know, we would have had to move way back to Claremont, right? And that meant new doctors, new schools, new teachers, new coaches, new friends, nothing would have been the all the ground, all the safety and ground you'd ever gained. Yes. And I just thought if I do, I, I, I got to try it. I called my mom. I said, mom, this white man said I can live in his house. And she was just like, really? She goes, is he a nice man? And I was like, I don't know this person. We just had lunch. And he has these kids and I have kids and it's like the Brady Bunch was like weird, but like, we're not going to have sex. Cause like, he knows I was with this other person. So like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. And she said, you need to pray. And I went home and I just thought to myself, what the F am I going to do? Am I going to go back to my mom's? I'm not going back to my mom's. I was like, you know what? If I go back to my mom's, my son will see that I failed. I, I will have failed him for sure. And I said, I'm going to do it. And it was the very absolute best thing for my son because that man was like a father to my son. He loved him intensely. He brooded them both. He would hold my baby while I made mac and cheese, right? He would, his babies were my babies. Like he would go on business trips. They were mine. You know, I was the single mother of four sometimes. He was a single dad of four sometimes. But we had this little patchwork quilt of a family of a completely unorthodox family unit and it allowed me to just breathe and change my life and change my body and keep us on a path that we could catapult and start our life over again from yes. so i'm like he knows i'm we're mad at each other right now because of the election <laughs> <laughs> i'm mad at him and he's mad at me um but you know i love that man to know and i will do absolutely anything that's the one person that I owe my life to. That's amazing. You know what? It's such a nice thing when there's nice surprises in life (laughs) and when people surprise you with their kindness. And I mean, that's just, that's such a level of respect and kindness that especially women, right? Like we find ourselves in a really bad situation financially or, you know, physical abuse or emotional, whatever it is. He basically offered you sheltered in the storm. And that is, you know, really sometimes we just need that time to get our brains back together, you know, like, cause you just you almost feel like what in the world happened to me, you know, like, and so you got to have that, that time to really, you know, think about it and like process it all. Oh my goodness. And I mean, I, he was literally dealing with like a like a rabid animal, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm coming into his home with all of this emotional angst about abandonment. And I'm so concerned about protecting my babies from everything now, right? Because the world has been opened up to pain in a different way. I don't know this pain. My parents are happily married, right? So I don't understand this single motherness. I don't understand this child without a father thing. I don't know what to do. 
And he looked at me and said, come in. I don't even know that I could do that for somebody before he had done it for me. I'm pretty sure I, I, I couldn't have. I, I probably wouldn't have. Like you would have been able to stay for a couple nights, but. No, that's a major commitment that he made to you. A major he commitment. Did. He did. He, I love him. I love him to life for everything he did for, for me and my babies, for sure. I love it. You love him to life. That's so sweet. So you just sent your son to college recently. I have not sent my crazy butt ass kid to college yet, but I'm going to have to in like four years. I know you now, you've been very, you know, invested in him. You have been, you know, single warrior mothering it with a little bit of help on the side from this awesome guy, but really, you know, in control of the direction of your son. And then all of a sudden you have to send him away and he gets to make his own choices and mistakes. Askia, that is not fun. No. <laughs> it's a lot of things, but fun is not it. It has not been fun for me. It's been exceptionally challenging because when I say I pumped everything I had into this baby to make sure he got where he needed to go, yeah. honey, I pumped it all. I took some from other people and pumped it into him too, right? You took all the blood out of your body for this child. When he graduated high school, and the next day I knew, I looked at him crossing the stage and I thought, he's leaving tomorrow. That's when it clicked. He's not ready to go. Mm. Okay? That's when it clicked. And it was it's too late. It was way too late for me to make any changes. When you enter the college recruiting process, you sign in December of your senior year a letter that commits you to a college or university if you're lucky, God willing, right? And... You can't get out of that. Oh, no, that's ironclad, right? It, I mean, you need lawyers on lawyers on lawyers. And you would still be ineligible to go to another school. You have to literally just, like, change your entire life for that to be able to, to, to be null and void, right? And so I couldn't call someone and say, can you give me three months? I just got to, there's some things I haven't taught him. I don't know. I, 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 I had to send him to a place that he wanted to go, a place that he looked at when we were there together on his visit and said, I love it here. I want to be here. Right. And so two months after he, well, six weeks rather, after he went to school, my father died. He was suffering from pancreatic cancer and my father passed. And so that had been like his secondary father figure. His dad was gone. This coach stepped in um, and my father, that was it. And so I think it triggered some things in him because it triggered a lot of things in me thinking about him, how he was processing the abandonment. And not two weeks after that, maybe three weeks after that, I get a call that my son has been arrested. I mean, just have a heart attack. I mean, I don't even know if it was a heart attack. I think that I... At some point, I did you just I want to kill him? That's how I, how I feel. <laughs> you know, it's like it wasn't that I wanted to kill him, it was that I wanted to hug the shit out of him. Oh. And I wanted to shake the shit out of him and say, what the fuck? Right? Because listen, a teenager will do that to you. Right. These kids will take you to another level. Okay. Oh, yeah. I look at moms and their little babies and they're like four and five. And I'm like, oh, I remember those days, honey, when it was just blissful and easy. and Just yes, mommy and tater tots. And yes, honey. And then. No, teens, that's a whole different, different level. I told you, my friend Cindy had the best analogy. She told me, don't get on the roller coaster. You don't go on the high and the low. These people, these teenage people 
go up and down to the heights and depths and you got to maintain the middle. You cannot get on that roller coaster. And I was like, I know. That's good advice. I mean, I think the teenagers should be their their own separate species. (laughs) When the time you from 13 to 17, you just leave the human race. You become something else. (laughs) Okay. And (laughs) honestly, because I was broken down to the ground and there was nothing I could do to protect. But also here he is, he's getting arrested and he's there recruited. Like he's risking everything you worked for Askia, like everything he's risking it all. And you told me what it was. It was the dumbest thing in the world. So dumb. Okay. This, 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 I used to call my baby smart. Right. And then they go out and they make their own decisions without you being the overseer. And I was an overseer. I'm a very strict mom. Right. And so you know, he goes out, he can do whatever he wants. My son goes and buys a BB gun. My son bought my black son in this America. Well, it's a different America, America. Years ago, but it's a different America now. No, it's it a, this, is a, this is an America we're living in now. Yes. Yes. So it's a different one. Thankfully, not this America, but the America two years ago, which isn't much different. My son went to Walmart, him and his roommates, and they bought BB guns to shoot at the wild and rabid and crazy raccoons on their university campus because they were all terrified of them. Okay. My son, because he can't see, he never said, mom, I can't see. I need glasses. I would say to him, do you need glasses? Because he would wear my readers. I thought he was just trying to like wear them as an accessory. And he'd wear them all day, but I didn't think my son you would- You thought he was just being funny. You just thought he was I thought funny. he was just trying to be cute and fly. You know, he's a handsome kid. I was like, okay, be fly. I think it's adorable. Fantastic. He needed glasses. So my son, because he can't see and he's afraid he's going to shoot somebody with a BB, he goes and he buys a laser pointer to put on his brand new BB gun. Making it look like a silencer. This, making it look like a, a little assassin. Oh, and God. He, he and his friends have the best time laughing as they point it out the window at football players getting out of their cars. Now. Oh, my God. Now, my son, when, when football players go to college, they go before a lot of the students end up on campus. And it might have been totally okay if it was just football players on campus, but they had just brought all of the campus community on campus. Right. Okay. And where he went to school in the Midwest the vast majority of white people have not ever attended school with an African-American person. Oh yeah. So they're already freaked out, let alone a boy with a baby gun. Through the window with a red laser beam. A girl called campus police and said that there's armed black men and all hell broke loose. And I get an alert on my home phone that says campus has now been deemed safe. I'm like, I text my son, are you okay? He responds, yes. And then the next morning at 6 a.m., I was getting a call from his coach. Now, the sad thing about what happens when you're in the college recruiting circle is when you get in trouble, they kick you out that bubble, honey. Yeah. You out. They can't even save you. They can't even save you. There's nothing they can do for you. And I'm here with like a two-year-old. And I think my my other son was seven probably. And I couldn't do anything either. And I got some of the best advice I think ever. They said, let him learn. Do not come and save him. And I said, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta come. I gotta, I gotta do something. And they said, don't. Now the school he went to was, is different than we're in LA, right? So we have all of the layers of talent pool. We have pro, we have arena, we have high school, college, right? All of these different levels of, of athlete. 
Well, there they have high school and college. College is the ceiling. They put my child's face on the news. No. They put my child's face all over their news. Oh, God almighty. And it's a crime that doesn't even exist in California. It doesn't even exist here. It only, it only exists in eight states. And I sent my son to one of those states. Well, but who, who would have known? I mean, hello. You know, and okay, I said, so what, so what did they do to him or what did he, did he, he had to change schools, obviously. Well, he said he was suspended from the team. He, he's there to play football. That's his dream and goal. And you know what? They spanked the shit out of his hand and he could not play that entire term. Ooh. And, and he was, him and his teammates were pushed away and on the outside of the team, they couldn't do any team activities. Aww. And I think it spiraled him um, into just worse behavior. And so he got it. He left the school, got in trouble again. And now he seems to be finally finding his footing now that he's mature enough, because to me, he's still really young. Yeah. I, I, I tell mommies now, like, how's your baby? Six? Oh, put them in kindergarten when they're seven. <laughs> Don't you in TK, please put your six-year-old in TK. Cause let me tell you, 17, 18 is way too early to graduate high school and leave home and go to school. You know, when you're already a risk taker, you have to remember that kids who play violent sports are risk takers. Nobody told me that because <laughs> yeah. I would have had him playing piano. Yeah. Promise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just navigating who they are. You can't navigate the decisions they make, but navigating your life so that you can just maintain a level of sanity when they just embarrass the fuck out of you. Oh, and, and it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. You don't want them to mess up their lives. You don't want them to make dumb choices, but they're going to, yes. they're going to like, yes. I don't know. I mean, I made five zillion dumb choices. I right. can't even number the Same. dumb choice. I mean, I didn't get arrested. Thank God. But I could have Same. a lot of dumb things I did, Me so, too. you know, really. And again, I had two parents. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I don't think anybody's immune. I think what's hard now is we have social media. Yes. We have people who are on that, like, no tomorrow. And, you know, and if you carry a gun, you might get shot. Yeah. If you oh. carry a gun, you will be shot. My son is 6'3 in the color of coffee. The last thing he should have ever felt safe doing is ever having a weapon, Right. But that's just this like naivete bubble that I've allowed him to be in, yeah. right? I, I built this, I, I contributed to that by not taking him to places that I knew weren't good for him on, on purpose. Yeah. You know, my, my second and third baby, honey, they've been up and down and through the hood, honey. I take them everywhere with me. I don't, I don't shelter them from any human. Like I don't, yeah. I, I, I'm taking smart. a completely different approach so that they can see real danger and they can see the the negative or potential negative outcomes of their choices that are dangerous. Their choices are dangerous. I never told my son that before. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? Listen, you, you when you know better, you do better. Hello. <laughs> and you know, you didn't know. And you were doing the what you thought was right at the time. And you know what? He will learn and he will be fine. But Absolutely. like, yeah, it's hard, le- but the hard lessons, that's where the character comes from. I'm sorry, but that's where your character comes from. When you get your hand spanked like that and you pay the price and you spiral out and you have a freak out or whatever you do, guess what? Then you wake up one day and you pull on your boots and you say, I'm done with this and I'm just going to move on, you know, like, so he will be fine, but it yeah. is hard as mothers, I think, 
So as mothers, it's it's gut wrenching. Gut wrenching. Well, I want to switch gears for just a minute because yeah, I want to make please. sure we talk about your business. Yes. So I want you to tell me about Division One Sports. And, um, and I know you have a little, um, a course too, that, that you want to talk about, but tell me about this, your business division one stores. Yes. So I started a company called the future of division one. The future of division one is a unique startup. We started this company essentially out of a need, out of my desperation as a single mom trying to navigate a process I knew nothing about. And I learned very quickly. It isn't just moms that don't know the dads don't know either right? If less than 1% of high school athletes play college sports, then less than 1% of parents know about this experience, right? And so it's hard to catch the coattails of someone when they're riding the wave in. And what I've found is when you talk to parents that have already made it, none of the stories are alike. And it's not like NCAA goes, step one to recruiting. Do this, 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 and this. They don't have that laid out. What they essentially do is they partner with colleges and universities and those colleges and universities hire coaches and those coaches act as recruiting agents, right? Up into their university and of course into the NCAA. And so our company aims to really fuel athletes who are looking to play college sports, right? Because it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it to put the work in now when they're young and they're viable and they're, they're changing and kind of shape-shifting and trying to find themselves. If it means they can go to college tuition-free and have an elite experiences because college uh, athletes are not bums. <laughs> they, wow. they, they do all right on campus. They have a little bit of an elevated experience. Right. And, and and since nobody's telling you how to navigate this, and since p- parents are trying to navigate it, you are the person that basically is in every, someone's corner. Absolutely. Helping them navigate something that nobody gives you the keys to the castle and no one tells you about. And if you're interested in this, you have to just figure it all out. But you've, you have figured it all out. <laughs> so I figured it out. I people. took notes. I have, I have so many notepads of notes where I just spoke to people on the phone. I was like, what happened? What did you do? And these are conversations that I was uncomfortable having, but I had to ask tough questions because there are no two paths to a division one scholarship that are alike. You can have identical twins that can play the exact same sport. Their paths are going to be completely different. They might have completely different college recruiters coming and looking at them. Right. And so I want to make sure that parents understand that this process is not too far to reach into. It is not. And they have to take control of it. You told me that. Absolutely. And I I say this, you know, parents are responsible for igniting the flame to their children's college recruiting process. You're the one who takes them to practice. You're the one who pays for the additional trainer. You're the one who decides you see their progression. You saw them when they started. You see where they are today. There's no bigger advocate for your athlete than the parent. And so we really focus on parents, although our company allows a space for everyone that's in the process to come in and take a hold of wherever they are. So whether you're an athlete, a coach, a trainer, a tutor, you know, a parent, there's something inside of our company for you that's going to help you inform and ignite athletes and improve their chances of playing college sports. I love it. Okay. So tell me about the course and you're going to give us a little special deal. You told me I have a I'm going to hold you to any bargains or deals you're giving me. I don't want anybody going to jail and pulling the Lori Laughlin. I don't want you doing that. God, no. Please, ladies, moms, dads, grannies, don't go to jail. 
Don't go riding your way in. (laughs) Don't go on vacation jail. We don't want to do that, right? What we want to do is we want to make sure that we have enough information so that if you decide today, you know what, I think we're going to try for a D1 scholarship, right? You can see where you are, identify where your baby is, and see what steps you need to take to get them on the continuum so that they can be actively recruited when the time is right. That recruiting bubble is tiny. It's it's all time-based and you don't get to pick or decide, right? And so I have a course that we built. It's our first course in our online course series and it's called My Child Wants to Play College Sports. Where do we start? It's less than 30 minutes. I go through a PowerPoint and we go through by grade. So from sixth grade to 12th grade, depending on where you are, there is a path for you to have this experience. It is not too hard. And let me tell you this, monetarily, what my commitment was as the child, as the mother of a child who earned 10 division one offers without a starting position on his varsity team and without a third party recruiter, right? So I help families debunk these myths and ideas that are old, unproven, and just a damn lie, right? We we go through that. And it's not even one-to-one. It's so simple. I have lots of coaches that we have coming onto our podcast. We have a podcast called The Future of D1, um, and we'll launch that again for our second season in January. And they're going to tell you what they look for in athletes. You take that information, you take it to a, a really good agility trainer, and that person is going to work with you to transform your child. Don't just give your money to anybody. Be intelligent and strategic in the process so that when high school comes, they're not in the back. And you're like, wait a minute, my kid could have done that, right? Your kid is in those conversations about potentially having a free college scholarship. I mean, yes. Yes. Okay. So how do we get, how do we we find this? Where where do we go? We go on your website? So our course is um, on a website, the future of D one courses with an S.com. And we have a code warrior women that anybody who takes the course, if you enter the coupon code warrior women, you will be able to take the course at no cost. It's $100. Normally you'll be able to take it for free for the remainder of 2020. I love so, it so much. You have time to take it over and over again. I'm really excited to hear feedback from parents and see if there's more things they want to see in our upcoming courses. Okay, I love you so much. All right, guess what, Oscar? We have made it to the speed round. I'm ready. It is part, it is part two time. Part two time. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Cocktail of choice. Margarita. Oh yes. Margarita. Yes. <laughs> what kind? Do you like a, a specific tequila or no? You know, I'm not bougie about my tequila, but I do love the Black Diamond Margarita. You ever had that? No. What is this? They put Hennessy in it, girl. Listen, get it. It has black salt on it. I don't know what they, who made it, who created the recipe, but they put Hennessy in the margarita, girl. Stop yourself. I'm writing this down. I don't even, I've never even heard black salt. This is like exotic. It's so sexy. They don't even put it in a, in a margarita glass. They put it in a martini glass. Oh, this makes me like it more. Okay. Okay. What is the mantra or quote you live by? Seek peace and pursue it. Oh God. I need to seek the peace right now more than any person. Um, What simple thing do you do for yourself? Like a self-care tip we could give our listeners. Yeah, we talked about this. So I do, I, I buy little things for myself. I love a little trinket package. 
I buy gold paper clips, rose gold paper clips. I buy earrings, just little things that are shiny. I'll buy a $20 candle. Um, I love nail polish these days. Thanks, 2020. I mean, you know, so we're all doing our nails at home. SallyHanson.com. Okay, we need to get them to be a sponsor on your show because we're all doing this at home. Yes. Oh, so that's such a cute idea. I kind of do that anyway. I love that idea of buying yourself a little something. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but like, you're right. That kind of gives you a little pep in your step when you've got a little treat, a little something. I love that too. A little earring, something. I love that. So you have to do something, right? Yeah. Yeah. What makes you feel unstoppable? You know, my first answer would be love. Right. But love is looking very different in this political year. And so I'm gonna so you know, right now, based on where we are, I think trust, trust makes me feel unstoppable. Oh, I love that. Okay, who do you most admire? Uh, uh, my mom. She's just a dream, you know, she's the most resilient chick I know. Um She's hard as nails and soft as petals at the same time. So like, she's amazing to me. I love that. Hard as nails and soft as petals. Well, I feel like you are definitely doing her proud. So I should oh, be very, thank you. She's very the, proud of you. She, she loves me because I look most like her. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she loves you the most. What is exciting you the most right now? You know, the future is really exciting to me. You know, the future of D1 is exciting to me. You know, the futures of every single person out here fighting, strategically fighting to make this world more just and right for all. Those people have me just like a blue flame, right? I love our fists in the air. I love every time I see a post and it's all these little different colors of fists and some have nail polish and there's a Black Lives Matter and there's a rainbow and there's a smiley face and there's you know, all these different people finally, well, I want to say all these different people finally, but it ain't, it, it ain't over to the fat lady scenes, you know, back no, to that trust thing. So yeah, I'm excited for the future. Press. There's no quick fix, but you know, you're yeah. right. There's never been more people involved in social justice from so many different backgrounds, right? Like, I mean, even me, yeah. I, I would have never gone on this whole journey of trying to evaluate my own white supremacy and my own whiteness and all of that if it hadn't been for COVID locking me in my house. Right. And then the Black Lives Matter movement. I was asleep, but when I woke up, girl, holy moly, that was the scariest day of my life when I woke up. I was like, wait a minute, what's happening? (laughs) But I have to tell you, I wouldn't have it any other way and I'm glad, but you're right. There are so many people out there fighting for justice, fighting for what's right. And you know what? We're going to get there. It's going to, it's going to take us all working together, but we're going to get there. Yeah, I think so too. So I'm excited about that. I love the the future of collaborating in oneness, right? Because we're all, it's seeming like we're all kind of divided, but I just feel like the future of our lives as women, as female entrepreneurs is amazingly bright amazingly bright no matter what and right it is all about collaboration it's not about competition it's about collaboration no like ladies come on we gotta we gotta do better we gotta do our best to you get on my shoulders okay let me get on your shoulders okay you get on my shoulders 
I'm gonna get on your shoulders, right? And just do that as much as we can until we feel like we are getting the respect that we deserve, period, you know? In business, in life, in love, in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Uh, I love talking to you today, Asya. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to me. I feel like I was having a down day, but I told you that you're the happiest part of my day. And so I was like, I literally canceled like 12 other podcasts and I was like, but I'll talk to Asya because it makes me happy. So I really appreciate you talking to me today. You're the sweetest. Thank you. I loved being here. Yay, warrior women. I'm so glad to be a part of your tribe. Period. Oh, you are in. You are so <laughs> in with me. This is this is what people don't realize. When they come to this podcast, I'm like, oh, don't think this is a one-off. <laughs> you're not getting rid of me that easy. Same. You me, you're, you're in. You're in with the warrior women now. It's happening. Black Diamonds for life. You can join my Black Diamond party at El Torito when we get rid of this whole COVID thing. Oh, you give me the day. I will be there. Oh, my God. All right. Thank you for joining me, everyone, today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just have to ask her. Bye. Bye.